listeners and this is Bob Mitch back on Costume Station Zero and I'm here with the second half of my discussion with Mr. Scott Sebring on Costume Station Zero. Four, three, two, one. No. <laughs> Zero. Zero. <laughs> Make the approach and with that uh, stick around and here we go. So, for our listeners who have an interest in Batman, and they're saying, hey, this sounds really awesome, um, I'd like to do a Batman costume, what first pointers would you give them to approach doing a Batman costume? Well, I would say first, go to 66batman.com, that's mm-hmm. 66batman.com, which is the forum that I run, and actually go to our archives and do a search on in our craft section. There is so much information that's accumulated over the past 10-odd years and so forth. Mm-hmm. It is the most common question I'll get from anybody, you know, says, Hey, visited the site, and hey, by the way, how do I get a costume like yours? Yeah, yeah. But I don't think everybody necessarily wants a costume just like mine or are prepared to, you know, pay for a costume or have it tailored or pieced together like mine. I mean, there, uh, I could safely say at this particular moment, there isn't a one-stop Batman costume maker right. that's really doing it, for, 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 for lack of a better word. Uh, there's some places out of Argentina uh, that advertise on eBay, just like the series, mm-hmm. just like exactly like Donna's. No, they're not. They're, they're way, way off. And they are cheaper. So if you want to do something that's like, hey, I got a suit. Someone says, hey, you're doing a Batman kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Cool. But that's as far as you want to go with it. Great. Have fun with that. Mm-hmm. I mean... Heck, we're now actually at a point where licensing has happened for the 66 show for merchandise. Not the DVDs, sad to say, <laughs> but but merchandise, like where Mattel is coming out with toys and stuff. But Ruby's costumes are actually now going to be coming out with 60s classic TV Batman costumes. Batman, Robin, Batgirl, Catwoman. So, heck, if you want something that you can just show up at Halloween and do your favorite TV Batman, mm-hmm. you could do it that way. And that's really the range. I mean, you don't have to have the most exact thing. Mm-hmm. But now, if you're going to do what I'm doing and what good many of my bad friends are doing, mm-hmm. do your research. Look at what you want to do with the costume, how far you want to take the costume. Mm-hmm. I say it starts at the cowl. Right. And if you want something that's an amazing replica that looks like it came off the set, actually it probably looks a little better than it came off of the set, mm-hmm. there's uh, WilliamsStudio2.com. Uh, that's Chuck Williams and Lynn Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, they make the, the cowl that I currently wear, which is a reproduction 
of uh, the thing that Adam West wears. I mean, it's a full-blown reproduction. Uh, the casting for the shell, because it has a fiberglass shell on the inside, uh, was actually casted from like a stunt shell. The casting that was pulled from one of those. And the stunt shells, uh, which Hubie Kearns was a stuntman, uh, Hubie didn't have a different shell from what Adam had. Um, so, they did do it. They did do a separate head cast for Hubie, mm -hmm. so they did it for Adam. They didn't do it for Hubie, so Hubie had to try to fit in Adam's, you know, <laughs> skull. Okay. And uh, Chuck was able to uh, be able to get uh, access to a casting that had been done ages ago from that. And since Chuck had already developed an amazing cow, which was the cow I had before, mm -hmm. uh, which I'll say from scratch, you know, from visual references. Uh, you know, measurements and things taken from, like, the Hardeman cowl that I talked about before, Mark Hardeman, who has a full original set. Right. Now, the Hardeman, is that, that's an Adam cowl, right? That's, that's an Adam cowl. Well, mm -hmm. Yeah, that one was an Adam cowl. That was a third season cowl. Mm -hmm. And the way that we could tell is because of the paint job on it and kind of the wonky ear that it has a this very oh. odd ear on it. Right, right, right. Uh, by one. third season, regretfully, the, the quality control wasn't as, you know, is happening. And, uh, but anyway, the, the eyebrows had a particular kind of look about them. The, uh, like I said, the, there was a very kind of odd set of ears on it and it's like a fingerprint. Mm -hmm. it, it, you, you can see it on the screen. You go, Oh, that's the Hardeman, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, like I said, Chuck had done years of research and so forth. And Lynn being, you know, uh, a former Hollywood seamstress and, you know, still she's a seamstress to this day. Just doesn't do it in Hollywood. They're out over in uh, Wisconsin nowadays. Ah, and nice. uh, like I said, Chuck's one of those master sculptor guys who's mm -hmm. just got the most phenomenal eye mm -hmm. for detail and can actually deliver. Yeah, he's not just a guy who could point at something and go. Ah, no, he's the guy who will go and do the effort and make it happen. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, my first cow was a Wally cow, which right. was a nice state of the art of the day. Mm -hmm. And uh, then my next cowl, <laughs> I've been through three so far, uh, my next cowl was a Chuck cowl, which right. was one that he had done, like I said, pretty much from the scratch in development, which was mm -hmm. still incredible, incredibly good. Mm -hmm. And also the materials that Williams uh, Studios cowls, the same kind of material that they used back in the day, mm -hmm. which was pretty much like a, uh, like a girdle kind of stretch satin that they had back in the 60s. They weren't, you know, they didn't have spandex. Mm -hmm. Stuff had to be custom dyed and that sort of thing. And Chuck had searched the earth for like, where can you find this material still? Because not a whole lot of girdles being using, but using this kind of material. Right. The manufacturer is out of business. They don't make that stuff. No one's taken over to make that kind of material anymore. Mm -hmm. It never came in blue. Mm -hmm. But Chuck literally had scoured the globe to find some kind of warehouse or some supplier who's got anything left. The last two batches of the stuff that anybody's, last two like rolls or whatever that they've been able to find of it, Chuck was able to find. Mm -hmm. Then we kind of got in a group run of having it custom dyed to spec, mm -hmm. which fortunately Wally eons ago, thank goodness, with the aid of Jan Kemp, was able to get a piece of the original kind of fabric dyed to spec. Mm -hmm. That Jan was able to sign off and go, yes, that is the color. And Wally kept it, you know, sealed and in the dark place because this stuff will fade and change over time. Mm -hmm. But if you keep it sealed in the Ziploc in the dark corners, uh, Wally brought up the sample and Chuck was able to uh, match to that. And so, uh, yeah, very meticulous, very picky. Thank, thank goodness guys like Chuck are out there. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of material that they're working with. 
Uh, and Chuck was one of those kind of guys. Once again, scour the globe, see what you could find on a roll left, see if we can get a group buy-in to get the roll and then yeah. have the thing custom dyed. People get X amount of yardage. You know, might have to pick up yardage because you're using the same kind of material for your gloves. You're using it for your trunks. You're not using it for your cape because your cape's not a stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, obviously, what you need for your cowl. And uh, so Chuck's always tried to, you know, find the source or, you know, for that. And then Len, like I said, just being able to uh, work out the patterns on that thing. Mm-hmm. And the quality just the sheer sheer I mean, well you've seen the things okay oh, yeah. but but their, their quality absolutely and what they do i mean lynn's hand stitching is, is like <laughs> it's more refined than some machine stitching i've seen absolutely yeah um i do have a question just yeah. i mean i recognize that chuck's current cowl is you know pinnacle of bat cowls yeah but out of curiosity because this is just mm. more of an exercise you know the whole idea of having an original to work from versus no matter how good your eye is going off a of visual reference, mm-hmm. you've owned and worn both. What were the differences in terms of both approaches to the cowls? Uh, well, I could definitely tell you, and Chuck will say this as well, The um, what I'll call the... Um, trying to think which way I'm going to describe this. Um, I'll call the from scratch one. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the reproduction mm-hmm. one, which was, like I said, based from the pool of uh of uh, one of the originals um the from scratch one is a little more idealized mm-hmm. in regards that it's more symmetrical Got it. so the left hand side of the head matches the right hand side of the head you know a critical eye you know making things symmetrical mm-hmm. and it's a little more like I said, yeah it's definitely much more a little more refined mm-hmm. uh there's probably it might be and literally this is like i mean my comments more like in the end of like millimeters of a little wider, mm-hmm. just a little wider, but everything just hits on point. You, the look and read of it is, hey, that's a Batman cowl. And the thing is, is when Chuck's study of the uh, the cowl, you know, like I said, when he was just using it as a sight element, not being able to have access to an original right off the bat, he was catching things like, wow, from this curve, the forehead's kind of doing this, and from here, it looks like it's kind of doing this. This thing, this isn't really quite symmetrical. Mm-hmm. It seems to kind of kick in this direction, and it seems to kind of go in that direction. This angle goes like this. Um, those were observations he kind of made along the way, and also how it kind of sat on Adam's head. Right. You look at pictures of just how it was in relation to his head. And... Um, Sure enough, as soon as he did the, you know, as soon as he got, you know, access to that pull, mm-hmm. he goes, there's all that stuff he expected to see. You know, granted, Chuck, you know, give him in a podcast, he can go into way Absolutely. more on that. But he really did. He was expecting to see certain kind of things. And right. there they were, all the warts, all the little, yep. you know, oddities, mm-hmm. uh, which are awesome. I, I, I love that handcrafted. It gives a character. It gives a definite character. Like I said, both are really wonderful cows. The main reason why I left my um, second cow is actually I'd caused some damage to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was just it regretfully got damaged. I mean, I wear the thing a lot, and mm-hmm. you run into things, and uh, I ended up hitting a real bad moisture type thing with it. And uh, but anyway, you know, I just knew. Well, he's got that other cow now. It's got a you know more like the original shell. Mm-hmm. Cool, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, got that. Now, the thing is, though, you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. And these things, they do run, you know, some bucks. Mm-hmm. And even back before there was Chuck and Lynn, there were uh, guys that were, like, making cows 
bit less expensive. Mm-hmm. You got what you paid for. They're using you know uh, spandexes that uh, didn't necessarily have a good grain about them. There was a, just kind of a look about them. Mm-hmm. Um, but was it a functional Adam West cowl? That's kind of what you're getting out of the Argentinian you know kind of stuff mm-hmm. and and some other makers. But you know some of those cowls, like I said, maybe half the price. Right. Okay. Can it get you going? Yeah. It sure could. Could someone look at it and go, hey, that's an Adam West style cow? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But there's such a difference between when you put the, like I said, yeah. you put the other one on, you go, oh, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. That's just, that just sells it. That's the crowning bit. Now, what's been kind of nice is that there, for a long time, there hadn't been uh, an in between spot. Because I realize not everybody can get, you know, the Rolls Royce. Not everybody mm-hmm. can, you know, and not everybody necessarily wants the Volkswagen. Right. Okay. Um, in the guitar world, we say refer to a good, better, best. Got it. You know, your two hundred dollars Stratocaster Fender Stratocaster is a good guitar, mm-hmm. but it's not used with like the best woods and so forth. Does it make sound? Sure. Does mm-hmm. it look like a Fender Strat? Yeah. Okay. Then you have the other ones, which are um, the next level. They're made of a better quality mm-hmm. than the two hundred dollar one. Mm-hmm. Then we get to the American Strats. Mm-hmm. And now these are the granddaddies of the Strats. They all technically kind of look the same. They still got the basic Stratocaster look. You know, and they all have kind of pickups. Do they function? Yes. But there becomes a difference over time in that mm-hmm. quality and in the end result. Mm-hmm. So there's a good, better, best. And uh, car lines do it. Guitar lines do it. Drums, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, in cowls, we had a good and we had a best. But no better. Until now, mm-hmm. Chuck and Lynn have actually come up with what they call the cosplay version oh, nice. of the cowl. Mm-hmm. For the people who might be in between, do I need an absolute full-blown replica? Mm-hmm. And if I do have that full-blown rec- replica, do I really want to take it out on the, you know, the, like <laughs> on the con floor, floor yeah. or mm-hmm. out on a, you know, on a fancy dress, you know, evening or something like mm-hmm. that? So, um, so they've offered... You know, what they've done is they've taken the shell of, like, what the scratch build, the mm-hmm. ideal, the idealized shell, like right. what, like my second cowl, and he's been able to really find a really good, closer, stretch satin. It's not like the original stuff, because mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's still for the replicas, because mm-hmm. it's such a limited, limited quantity. Mm-hmm. Um, but he found something that had a good weight about it, a good sheen to it, and a good color about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that made it, you know, feasible for them to be able to kind of, you know, look into, we might be able to make a, a in-between, uh, type of step on there. And they look great. They mm-hmm. look wonderful. Chuck and Lynn continue to wow me. So that's cowls. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, my boots are made by, uh, Duran Boots. Good company. Good company. Uh, I really like them. They're out of L.A. Uh, their web presence, they don't really have like an online store, but they at least have their contact information. Mm-hmm. Uh, my gloves are made by Gaspar Gloves. Mm-hmm. It's G-A-S-P-A-R uh, not gloves. Not and Casper, got it. Dorothy Gaspar, who, who's, who's the main uh, person there. Uh, yeah, she's done so many gloves for like so many films and musical acts. And I mean, Madonna wears her gloves. Lady Gaga wears her gloves for Gloves were used in the X Men films, uh, Spider Man, Titanic. Uh, it 
just nutty professor, uh, mm-hmm. Inspector Gadget. It mm-hmm. just keeps the the Power Rangers, the, uh, the 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 movie, the Power Rangers movie used Casper uh, gloves. Nice. Yeah, nice. it just yeah, like I said, the list just keeps going on the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, chances are if there's gloves in a movie, chances are Dorothy <laughs> probably did them. She knows gloves. Yeah, but the key thing about this, and this was once again, Chuck eons ago on this one, sourced out uh, the original makers of the Batman gloves, which were hammer gloves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they were out in Melrose back in the day. Chuck had you know, sourced that out. And it turned out, well, Dorothy worked for hammer gloves and eventually bought out the company and stuff because I guess they retired or what have you. I don't know the details on it. But she actually still had the original pattern to the Adam West bat mm-hmm. glove. And uh, But yeah, Chuck had turned Wally onto them and... Um, and so forth. But yeah, uh, Dorothy's shown me the pattern. And it's really kind of funny. It's some basic pattern paper, but the fins are actually cut out of newspaper. Hmm. Yeah. It's just, just a trip. I'm like looking at them and it's like, you know, yeah, that's the glove. You know, it's kind of falling apart, but there it is. You know, so when they say from original patterns, well, this lady's seen them. So, uh. Ain't fooling around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, but with her, she just always recommends that you give her the whatever material you're using for your trunks. Mm-hmm. Stretch satin, like uh, like it's used on the Chuck Cowell or something like that, if you mm-hmm. don't have your presently you know, reserved uh, yardage. Mm-hmm. Back when I was using Zeus fabric in the earlier days mm-hmm. of my costume, she made my gloves out of Zeus. Now she makes it out of the, uh, the stretch material that is on my cowl. And, but the Zeus you still use for the cape. Uh, the Zeus I had used for my cape. You can't mm-hmm. get Zeus anymore, mm-hmm. and the color and technically the color's not quite there. Mm-hmm. It's you know it works out all right. I love the body of it, but I'm looking to change my cape anyway. Vicky's looking into that, and uh, Vicky made my uh, trunks mm-hmm. out of the uh, once again the uh, the the uh, stretch the original stretch satin type of material. Mm-hmm. Uh, your tights need to be dyed. I, you're not going to find a straight, that kind of color, gray, you know, with that tinge of lilac, purple, dusty, gray, you know, mm-hmm. um, kind of uh, tights. Just, you know, if you're if you're ordering tights online they say gray, just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, stay away from the shiny spandex stuff. I mean, I'm presently using um, suplex, which is kind of like a kind of a cottony right. kind of thing. Dull. And yeah, it works. Mm-hmm. It's functional. It's more readily available. Uh, the stuff they were using back in the day was like uh, nylon mm-hmm. uh, for like the old dance types because they just basically used you know classic capizios back in the '60s, mm-hmm. which was like a nylon type of material and uh, dyed those. Right. And well, you can't find that anymore. Mm-hmm. And even the stuff that you might have been able to find, let's say, ten years ago, is considerably thinner than what they were using in the '60s. Mm-hmm. So you you got to find your tights, gad dye them or make them. Let's see. So I got that. Trunks. Vicky did my trunks. Uh, my belt was done by a gentleman uh, named Billy Lloyd, who's no longer with us. And he only made a couple. Mm-hmm. He only made a couple of those belts back in the day. But he put so much love into those things. <laughs> he put a lot of love into them. And he generally did them mostly for just friends back right. in the day. But I mean, I'm talking about something nearly nine years ago mm-hmm. when I had gotten my utility belt. But yeah, they were far and few. And uh, But honestly, you know, uh, Chuck has been making some belts here and there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's got them currently available or not. So if he said it's getting flooded with email, he can blame me. Mm-hmm, right. But uh, his are more accurate. 
Mm-hmm. You know, mine's just got a lot of love behind it, you know, from the guy who made it and so forth and who was eyeballing it back then. And, you know, Chuck's had, you know, access to the Hardeman uh, collection now, which uh, like, is open the door immensely as far as to our knowledge. Like I said, Wally had some access to it back in the day. I got to have some access to it a couple of years ago to the originals mm-hmm. uh, to make some notes for Chuck and so forth, which is on uh, the previous part of this podcast, I believe. Uh, and then uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Chuck and Lynn went out to uh, meet up with uh, Mark Hardiman and got to pretty much spend the weekend measuring, Pantone matching, and just having first hands-on mm-hmm. drawing up of patterns, uh, doing rubbings of like the etchings that are in the uh, in the bat buckle. Mm-hmm. You know, to actually get the exact. You know, what's what's that etching? Well, we're just going to do some rubbings with this, you know, tracing paper and so forth, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, just meticulously, you know, going over that stuff like, I don't know, like uh, forensic scientists or something. Right, right. But it was in conjunction with Mark that they were going to develop a pattern set, mm-hmm. which is also available at Williams Studio 2, that uh, has a pattern for the uh, the cape, the trunks, and I believe uh, like on the fins of the gloves. It's not so much patterns for the gloves specifically, because keep in mind the condition of the costume when they came to it, is that a lot of the uh, stretch satin pieces were blown out. Right. Meaning the stretch was all gone. So they, so the bat trunks look, you know, it could be a little bit more like bloomers. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But the inherent structure of them was there, and uh, Lynn was able to work that out. Uh, the gloves were a little bit of another story on it, but they have things of like, you know, what's what's the bat logo? What's the uh, robin chest emblem? What's mm-hmm. the uh, uh, vest pattern? Mm-hmm. for the robin vest and the uh, robin cape. Now, as far as if you have a pattern set, you still got to need something like a shell. Yeah. And the shell that they do provide is actually the uh, what I call the idealized shell. Mm-hmm. It's symmetrical. You don't, you're not going to have to fuss with the asymmetric mm-hmm. nature of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the pattern that's for that set is more for that shell because once again you really couldn't go too much off of a pattern directly off of the, the Hardeman set mm-hmm. uh, because some of the satin had gone on it mm-hmm. more in the back and somewhat on the uh, cowl but it gave plenty of information for Chuck and Lynn to go like oh that's how they did that right right all right you know mm-hmm. we figured and they were you know what they already knew 95% of what <laughs> they were looking for right. and what they had already been doing for years by the mm-hmm. time they actually got their hands on them mm-hmm. But the Pantone matching was really, really key because photographs only do so much yeah. to give you that reference and chuck out all that information all together. And also Lynn's uh, massive knowledge of the kind of fabrics, and st- of just fabrics, mm-hmm. okay, uh, that they could look at and go, okay, this was the kind of thing they were using. And they examined that cape, that particular cape. Like I said, there was just uh, what they were able to pull from it was was great, and then Chuck analyzed that utility belt inside and out, and so his knowledge of the utility belt is just gone to the next level. Like I said, I don't know if he's making them readily or whatever, but right. uh, I just look at him and I just got yeah, I've got I got bat belt lust or whatever, you know. I mean, I worn one of his uh, a couple of years ago at at a convention. He had brought one out to show. I said, "Can I wear it for a day?" And I fell in love with that thing. Mm-hmm. It was just awesome. It mm-hmm. really was. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I got to wear it at Dragon Con again this year. My Robin Alex mm-hmm. uh, got that belt from Chuck. Years later, he nice. he, had, he, had, he had bought it from Chuck, and mm-hmm. I said, "Alex, can you bring the Batman utility belt, you know, mm-hmm. to Atlanta?" 
And he goes, but it's on my mannequin. <laughs> oh, please. Like we've heard that before. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So, yeah, that's, yeah, I, I, I see a Chuck Belt in my future. Mm-hmm. Those those are the pieces, you know. But you do. I think if you got to take it to that kind of level, you have to piece it out. You just oh, have to. Mm-hmm. But it's becoming more and more that the main resource is going to be uh, Williams Studio Two, and they have an Etsy presence. That's where you mainly get their store. But they have a website. Mm-hmm. You know whether or not you're going with the patterns, whether or not uh, you're ordering some pieces from them directly, mm-hmm. and it all remains, you know. Depends which way you want to go on that, but they do not make a complete costume at this particular point. You know, they're not doing the tights, and they're not doing the boots or the gloves, to my knowledge, at this time. Um, yeah, I think that's all the major points. But uh, what does one do about a bat emblem for your tights? William Studio too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes. William Studio Two. My first be- first thing I ever got from Chuck before he even started making mm-hmm. cowls mm-hmm. was a chest emblem. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, uh, we we can always swing back to Batman if something else uh, occurs to you. But let's finally start talking about some of your other costumes. Um, okay. Let's talk about the Phantom. Yeah, Phantom. One of those ones that it was everything about timing. I was always a big fan of the Sunday newspaper Phantom. I never thought he ever got decent treatment in any other media. So for so like I like I like the Tom Tyler Phantom serial. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Tom Tyler just rocks those serials, whether it's Captain Marvel, right, right, you know, mm-hmm. preaching to the choir with you, yeah, yeah, and uh, or or the uh, like I said, or the Phantom. Anyway, it wasn't really, and, and then the Billy Zane film came out in the '90s, and I missed it. You didn't even see it in the theater? I didn't get to see it in the theater. You knew it was out, right? I knew it, well, I knew it was coming out. Oh, okay. Because they put the billboards out for that film. I swear to gosh, they put the billboards out for that film like a good six or seven months before it actually had hit the theaters out okay. here. So I was always kind of confused. Okay, it's coming out. Is it out yet? No, it's coming out. Is it out yet? You know? Mm-hmm. And it was also in a particular period of time where I was working in a recording studio. Mm-hmm. And my life was in a dark room recording albums for people and right, producing right. and engineering and stuff. So I literally, I was just glued to that studio for a good couple of years. So I don't think I caught much in the way of mini films or anything like that. So when I came up for air, you know, like right. what? Oh, the film's gone? Mm-hmm. How was it? Uh, didn't do well? Oh, gee. You know, right. it was like that kind of thing. It was there and gone, sadly. Yeah. Then it wasn't really till, uh hanging out here with you and uh, or, or a buddy of ours, Justin. Mm-hmm. You know, checking out the film that I'd always been interested in. And I always thought the costume was interesting mm-hmm. from the from the stuff I had seen of it, that kind of tattoo art type thing. Right. And uh, Justin was talking about, yeah, what would it take to, you know, wow, you know, recreate that kind of tattooing art? And no less than what, maybe two months later. Yeah. I go to this place called It's a Wrap in Burbank, which is a thrift store that mainly is supplied by when a production wraps. Mm-hmm. Mostly and soap operas, uh, game shows, game shows, things like that. You know where the wardrobe isn't going to get used or reused. It's I don't think it says costume oriented. It is it is more wardrobe, mm-hmm. but you can get great deals on some vintage clothes or something that might be uh, designer mm-hmm. that got worn once for Desperate Housewives or something like that. Mm-hmm. So you know it always pays to kind of go out and check it out. Well, every year though they do their Halloween sale. That's the cool time. That's the cool time, because that's when they're busting out the... Okay, we're not talking about designer jeans now. Now we're talking about capes, Shakespeare clothes, 
your your serfs, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. The uh, the cast-offs from all the various Star Trek Enterprise, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Right, yeah. and it just happened to be this particular year, which was, what, 2008? Yes, it was 08. Yeah, it was 2008. Paramount actually liquidated a chunk of their costume department. Mm-hmm. It's a wrap. Grabbed a whole chunk of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they did like a whole separate auction for like their Star Trek items and that sort of thing. That's right, yeah. But the best time to catch it, It's a Wrap is that opening day of Halloween. Yeah. The, the Halloween merchandise. Because it hasn't been picked over yet. It hasn't yet. been picked over yet. So I stopped in there with my buddy Wally. We're mm-hmm. waiting outside the door for 10 o'clock when the door opens to go see what they got. And we're just looking through whatever. Mm-hmm. They don't know what you're ever going to see. And I'm like looking at some purple tights in there. They got kind of some skull patterns on them. Uh-huh. They got, you know, this kind of like, you know, and I'm like looking, there's like several different pairs or so. Mm-hmm. Like, what what the hell? This looks like, oh my God, I think this is the Phantom. <laughs> I think this is the Phantom suit. <laughs> so I'm like turning to Wally, who had seen the film, and he's going, oh, dude, I think that's the Phantom. How many are there? And I said, I don't know, but I'm going to try on a pair, uh-huh. <laughs> you know. I looked at the, I picked up a couple of tunics, put one on. Oh, it's got a hole in it. I can't use that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then, you know, so I got these other ones and, and I got a pair of tights and so forth. And then Wally, who collects costume pieces and so forth, totally, right. totally jumped on whatever I wasn't picking up. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was pretty strapped for cash at that time. Mm-hmm. Really strapped for cash. Like I even had to like call the wife to know, let her know, hey, I'm going to, I think I'm going to buy something here. Mm-hmm. And I said, honey, I, I found some costume items I want to pick up. It's a tunic and tights from the Phantom. <laughs> and uh, is it okay if I, you know, if I get them? You know, she goes, well, how much? Total $32. Because they were 15 each. They were 15 each. They had no idea what they had with Clearly. those. Amazing. And I actually did. I said, there's another tunic. I might pick up another tunic. She goes, and she's going, oh, yeah, jump on it. If they're that cheap, you know, jump on it. Because I wanted to get the other tunic for Justin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have a cowl. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the trunks. I didn't have the gun belt. Didn't have the rings. Didn't have the boots. You know, so everything else had to be cobbled together. But, yeah, the thing was is that I had, though, the toughest part. Because these things were just uniquely made. And they were. And I came to find out in the production of them, they had had a guy, an artist, take a, a pair of tights and do painting and stenciling and all this artwork on them. Mm-hmm. And then they took the pipe tights, cut them up, and made patterns, scanned them, mm-hmm. and then silkscreened the patterns onto the material with all the... Uh, so they were ready to go patterns. Mm-hmm. They had the pattern tabs on them and the artwork already on them. That's pretty smart. Now, weren't they... If I remember rightly, it's kind of a nylon material, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a... It's a nylon mesh that they did in dual layer, so it created this cool moray-looking mm-hmm. effect on top of one another. Mm-hmm. But made them very fragile. That's why they made so many of them. Sure. Because sure. they could get torn up pretty quick. And I imagine the tunics gave up more than the tights did, it seemed. Mm-hmm. Or more tights were damaged over time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, fortunately, I had a pair. I ended up uh, eventually putting together the uh, the gun belt myself, working with leather, and uh, got a buckle online that was supposed to be like a Phantom-style bu- buckle. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't quite up to spec, but it was a nice starting point for me. Mm-hmm. To uh, take that buckle, modify the skull on it, and so forth, and then do my own casting and mold of it, and create my own buckle. But yeah, the the belt. The one thing I couldn't do with the leather is I can't sew leather, <laughs> right? Or at least not the amount of uh, stitching that needs to go around for a uh, full uh, gun belt. But I found a, a shoe place out in Studio City 
that the guy, he didn't really want to do it, mm-hmm. but he went ahead and did it. And when he gave me the quote, and it was so so darn low, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you know? so I said, no, it's just a simple stitch right here and a stitch right here. And if you just go all right around on this one, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Please, mm-hmm. pretty please. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he did it. So, you know, I don't think he'll ever do that again. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was able to eke out my own gun belt with it. And I resurrected my uh, Trek boots. Made That's by right. Duran Boots for for the uh, Phantom, uh, found some cool rings on eBay. Mm-hmm. You know, ring, rings were not a problem. In the cowl, though, not completely done the exact same way they did in the film, which was like a latex kind of uh, rubber, kind of mm-hmm. which meant casting a head and stuff. Vicky sewed some pieces of neoprene. That's right. Uh, mm-hmm. More like a scuba cap type style. So there are some seams where his on the film are no seams. Mine does have some seams. But the artwork covers most of that. Mm-hmm. And I spent the better part of the next three days masking off the stenciling based upon screen grabs. And the Blu-ray wasn't even out yet. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. So I was going by some <laughs> you know, DVD uh, and, and just whatever photos I could find. Mm-hmm. Matt did the masking on that thing for about three days. I remember listening to a lot of big finish Doctor Who <laughs> audios, as a matter of fact. Right. <laughs> listening to those while I was uh, doing all the artwork on that didn't you also stencil the trunks yeah event that was a slightly well that was a different technique actually i i did stencils all over the uh the mask and then i airbrushed over that Mm -hmm. and then just hoped it turned out right and then the uh, trunks were slightly different i worked out a pattern in uh photoshop of what i kind of thought because i had to kind of approximate what was the pattern of his trunks Mm -hmm. i knew they were kind of a diagonal motifs so they were kind of doing like the they, they didn't do the classic black and purple or black and blue diagonal uh trunks that he has like in the comics right but they went with a diagonal pattern of the tribal tattoos mm-hmm. but they just went in a diagonal stripe it's, they were the various skulls that were kind of tied in with what went on the on his tunic and tied in with what was going on with his his cowl so I already knew what the skulls kind of would be doing and kind of their size. And I looked at, they looked to be more like triangles and kind of zebra, kind of stripey shapes. So I worked out something in Photoshop of what I figured would be that kind of pattern. Mm-hmm. Then I printed it out on a very large, like 13 by 9 sheet. And Vicky and I did manage to find uh, some nylon mesh. I dyed it. Mm-hmm. In steps as I do anything, I did because nylon will take. That was the beauty of it. Found the mesh in nylon, and nylon will take a dye. Mm-hmm. So uh, I worked my way into the shade of purple I felt would match the rest of the tights. Mm-hmm. Got really, really, really close. And then I took fairly low tack adhesive spray. Anyway, I made this print of the pattern. Mm-hmm. Took a low tack adhesive spray, sprayed up, sprayed it across the paper, mm-hmm. and then I laid out the mesh on top of the paper because the paper. The size of that paper would accommodate just enough to make the pattern for one half of my trunks. Got the it. front half or the back half. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was just big enough. And so with the low tack, and then the, uh, so the mesh sat flat on there. So I could see right through the mesh to see the pattern. Right. And then I sat there with a Sharpie and a lot more big finish audios <laughs> traced over the pattern that I had made mm-hmm. with a uh, dark purple Sharpie. And mm-hmm. it gave me the right kind of read. Mm-hmm. And uh, because you couldn't spray it because it would fill in the gaps. Right, 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 right. And I felt like more stenciling, more cutting out for the amount of time it'll take me to cut this thing out and so forth. Mm-hmm. How about, you know, and the nice thing about it was because it was adhesive to this really thick, like, photo paper, 
it didn't move or budge mm-hmm. or anything like that. If I just took the mesh and just tried to start drawing on it, you know, push and pull and so forth. But mm-hmm. because it had this adhesive, it held to it. And then pulled it out. Vicky, uh, you know, sewed the stuff together, and lo and behold, I had my trunks. Wow. Yeah. So I think so, that leaves the guns, right? Well, the guns were just uh, some uh, Colt um, air guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they 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 weren't even in and out here. At least I just got clear plastic guns for like Walmart. Mm-hmm. Filled the front of them completely with with like a uh, Sculpey epoxy, so they were clearly filled in the front. So if I had to get them checked in at like Comic Con or something like that, they knew that they were totally you know filled up and there you know nothing no projectiles could come out of these things and they were plastic and then hit them with a high gloss uh spray paint mm-hmm. you know the guns was the easiest thing you know as far <laughs> as making you know uh for the phantom but that was fun that, that was a fun suit to put together it was not one of those the phantom himself was a character that i really really loved the film i really enjoyed once i finally got to see it uh i assume at the time on vhs when it uh uh, no, actually, here when you were doing a superhero day, and I said I never got to see, I never got to see the Phantom. What? No. Yes, what? sir. Yes, you had it on Laserdisc at the time. Yeah, I did. You had it on Laserdisc. Yeah. No, I swear you had seen it. No. I thought the one you hadn't seen was the Shadow. No, I had not gotten to see the Phantom. I had been wanting to see the Phantom, and I had not seen the Shadow either. Yeah. What? Yeah. I swear you had seen the Phantom. In the no, Shadows. no. I said I had always wanted to see the Phantom because I was a big Phantom fan, mm-hmm. but I could never kind of get a hold of a VHS. It was the DVD apparently came and gone so quick that it was already out of print. Wow. I, yeah. So you saw it here for the first time on like that first sort of Fourth of July movie day where we just saw Pulp Heroes. And yep. Absolutely. Wow. And that was where the conversation about and I had seen like I said pictures. And so forth, but never got a chance to really get to catch the film. So uh, that so the timing was everything that I just finally seen the film. I that was, was summer of '08. Now that I'm yeah. really thinking about it, yeah. Wow, that's that is <laughs> that is the ultimate case of the timing. sun and moon aligning for a yeah. costume. I think I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, because that's where the conversation where Justin and I talked about the detail on that thing. So mm-hmm. it was fresh in my mind, and then that was in July, September. Is the Halloween right. sale. Right. And then I had up until Comic-Con to kind of finally get it together. I, the longest time I was trying to figure out how to do the cowl. Right. That's, that was a fact. I actually, for a long time, was trying to figure out how to do that cowl. Mm-hmm. Which is funny. Nowadays, our, our buddy actually owns an original cowl from the film now. Justin. Oh, Justin bought that cowl that was up on, uh, was it the RPF or eBay? One or the other. But no, I, yeah. Yeah. He bought it here one day. Oh, my God. That's, wow. I... I can't believe I blocked that out. You're right. You're yeah, you brought right. it, but this is years later. Up. I remember when it was up initially. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. It was a cowl with a mask, wasn't it? And then I can't remember if he had the mask. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if it had the mask because the mask was separate to the to the cowl, the black mask. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is, I brought my cowl and his cowl, and my pattern is really, really close. Wow. <laughs> so I was, I mean, there's some slight uh, proportional distortions a little right. bit here and there, but for eyeballing that thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was pretty happy. <laughs> Nice. But yeah, boy, if I, if I knew, if he had that cowl, you know, one of these days, maybe I should do the costume to see if he'd let me wear that cowl. Yeah, you totally should. Yeah, at least once. I mean, it's funny that uh, in the in the time since you put it together, I've seen one or two side sales through either profiles or eBay, and it's always, 
if it isn't a cowl, it's like, oh, here are the boots, or here's the belt. Right. So it's so funny that all these other pieces have come up, and I know that it's always been out of the budget range, but mm-hmm. um, but yet, you never see the tights. No, well, because I think everybody who ended up with the tights have hanged on to them. Mm-hmm. Because when I was doing my research, oh, trunks, I can't, I can almost never find anybody who's got trunks. Hmm. Yeah. When I was doing my search research, I was hitting up various collectors to find out if I could find info on, uh, you on know, trunks, yeah. some pictures and so forth. And, you know, the, the funny thing about some collectors out there, there's guys, you know, I, I got spoiled with a guy like Mark Hardiman. Sure. Who's like, oh, yeah, here's my bat suit. Check it out. Yeah, mm-hmm. take pictures. Take, hey, you know, bring out the Pantone book, you know. Mm-hmm. Take a look at it. Hey, put it on, you know. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, uh, just open. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other collectors that are like, no, 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 no flash photography, right. you know, no scan, no. And I understand they're protecting their investments, they're afraid of replicas and, and, and uh, counterfeits and so forth. Yeah. But I'm kind of like, dude, I just want to see what the trunks look like, yeah. you know, right? you know, and um, don't, don't even look at it. Don't, don't even look at it. Don't even look at it. Yeah. Don't even look at it. It'll lose its value. <laughs> Yeah, so that, yeah, I realized, I was going like, wow, you know, I got the thing in September. Why did it take me to almost deadline in July, as it always does? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it was just because I was trying to see if I could get that cowl put together in some fashion or another. Mm-hmm. Once the deadline starts looming, hey, it's kicking into full gear. So, but that's been fun. Mm-hmm. That, that I've only worn that costume a couple of times because it's a very, uh, it's not that it's terribly uncomfortable, but you got to be, I mean, I got to be my leanest to put that thing on. That is the most unforgiving outfit I wear. I just remember when you first got those tights that uh, you didn't, well, you didn't tell me or Justin and you just came out in the middle of a who night wearing them. And in the middle, like like you'd come into normal civvies and you change like Superman in the bathroom and then you just sat down and my favorite memory is is uh, you sit down and I've, I've clocked that you're wearing something and at first I, I'm not sure what it is. I'm like, is he wearing some kind of weird hoodie thing? And then I look up, because... For those who who don't know, even though the tights don't have the official cowl, there is like an under nylon. Yeah, cowl with that piece. with that that little that little hoodie that's kind of like, like a, a half, it's like a half cut hoodie, right? To put up uh, over your up to the top of your head. That's to hold the turtleneck up, there so it's go. always pulled up. Mm-hmm. You know that makes sense. Yeah, otherwise it'll sink down, and you always want that turtleneck to go all the way up to the cowl. So right. this little nylon hoodie holds it up. So yeah, I come out. And you sat down, and I just... Kind of looking like a purple condom, for the most part. You really do. (laughs) And you just sat down all normal. You kind of shrugged, looked around, and then you ate like a potato chip or something. And I just remember... (laughs) And it was the oddest thing. Until we all clocked what it was, and then we freaked. And, uh... Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh... That was that was good, but reaction know, accomplished. <laughs> but I mean, the, the standout of wearing that must have been meeting Billy Zane. Yeah, which didn't happen for a couple of years. Right. You know, I, I did. Uh, I wore the Phantom in two thousand and nine. Wore it like during Masquerade Night. I didn't go in the Masquerade yeah. with it, but I wore it during Masquerade Night, and then. Oh yeah, uh, that was the night that I, I missed meeting David Tennant as the Cyberman. Yeah, you wore the Cyberman outfit. As a matter of fact, I wore it even earlier on like a Thursday or a Friday because my friend Ruben was doing mm-hmm. a signing over at uh, a Captain Action booth. Mm-hmm. And then I wore it on the masquerade night, and then I wore it for Sunday. And uh, a really fun little story there was that Jerry Robinson, mm-hmm. who was Bob Kane's first ghost artist, mm-hmm. Jerry Robinson, Jerry Robinson, mm-hmm. the co-creator of Robin for Batman, right? Designed Robin's outfit, not Bob Kane, Jerry Robinson. Jerry Robinson also created the look 
but the Joker. Hmm. And drew the very first Joker, mm-hmm. not Bob Kane. Jerry has since passed away in the past year or so. But he was an older fellow, and he was at Comic-Con. And I like going through the artist alley, because mm-hmm. these are the guys who made what, why we're doing these things, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw Jerry, and I've seen Jerry before as Batman. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, Alex was with me dressed as Robin, and Jerry goes, you're Robin? And he goes, yes. He goes, I designed that costume. I said, see, you could blame him for the tights, old chum. <laughs> I was dressed as the Phantom. I saw Jerry, and I just waved, because he was looking in my direction. And he called me over. Mm-hmm. He gestured for me to come on over. And I thought, oh, this is uh, interesting. Okay, I'm the Phantom. Mm-hmm. You know, did, I don't think he did anything with the Phantom. Mm-hmm. And he sat down and he goes, and he was in a wheelchair at this time. And he said, do you know who created the Phantom? I said, well, that was Lee Falk. And he goes, Lee Falk was one of my best friends. Mm. And he would have dinner with my wife and I every Sunday night. For over 40 years. And I just was so happy to see his creation being represented. Wow. And getting to see one of his creations still out there. Mm-hmm. That just was... That was cooler than seeing him when I was Batman. Sure. <laughs> wow. That, that he appreciated what I was doing on mm-hmm. that. And I even saw Adam West that day. Because uh, Adam was at Comic-Con that year. Mm-hmm. So saw Adam every day. Right, right. <laughs> but I came by as the Phantom. And Adam's going... Scott... <laughs> you're the phantom <laughs> you know i always liked the phantom i used to read them in the newspaper do, do you have the rings <laughs> and i showed him i had the rings he goes fred he's got the rings <laughs> adam actually got a kick out of seeing the phantom wow yeah mm-hmm. and uh, so, so it was it was fun but i didn't touch it again until because you always try to try make room for other costumes mm-hmm. and so forth was it until, uh, yeah, I got to see Billy Zane at a Hollywood autograph show like about a week or so before, no, it was like a week right before Comic-Con of 2011? Sounds right. 2011. And uh, once again, it's not a convention, the, the Hollywood show that he was doing, it's not a convention type atmosphere, so mm-hmm. showing up in costume, you know, definitely stands out. Mm-hmm. But I thought, you know, I wonder how many people Billy's ever seen in costume like this. Turned out, nobody. <laughs> he saw me and he was so infinitely infinitely cool about it Mm -hmm. he had a big smile about it you know we took all kinds of pictures we even had the one where when i always associate the uh the phantom would always have his arms crossed over his chest Mm -hmm. very popular pose of the phantom in the comic strips over the years you know Mm -hmm. very stoic and arms crossed so when we were posing for a picture uh you know billy was just totally looking at the outfit he goes this is really good well this was the stunt man's tights but not the cowl you know Mm -hmm. he says and Billy, you know, he says, well, what, what pose should we do now? And I said, well, I could do this one here, you know, like with the arms crossed. He goes, oh, yeah, like like old jungle, like we're doing an old jungle saying. And then yeah. Billy and I quipped the pose as old jungle, jungle saying. saying. Uh, that particular venue also at, uh, offered uh, proper portraits with right. a full background and the flash photography and all that sort of stuff with the strobe lights. Mm-hmm. And so I paid for one of those. So Billy and I had already done our right, photo right. bit, you know, got the autographs and so forth. And then um, I go to the photo session and Billy's standing right there and he looks at me and he goes, so which one should we do? I looked at him and he goes, and Billy goes, let's do Old Jungle Saying. Old <laughs> so we did Old Jungle Saying and uh, he got a kick out of it. And then eventually he was asking me things like, uh, you know, so um, he says, do you get dressed up like this sort of thing often or whatever? And I said, oh, I did this at Comic-Con back in 2009. He goes, well, there's Comic-Con coming up like this week or something. I go, yeah. He goes, is that any good? 
I said, oh, yeah. He goes, are you going to be going as the ghost who walks? <laughs> and I didn't hear him too well. I go, who? Ghost who walks? Oh, the Phantom. I go, no, I know who the ghost who walks is. I just didn't hear it the first time. <laughs> he, <laughs> he's letting his geek boy stand, you know, get out a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, it turned out that he ended up showing up at Comic-Con. That's right. Yeah. And he says, yeah, I'm thinking about going. So I packed up the, the suit mm -hmm. for that Comic-Con. I had originally planned on doing it. But it's a pretty easy suit mm -hmm. in general. You just got to blacken your eyes a bit mm -hmm. for the... Uh, for the black mask portion of it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and he was, like I said, anytime I've ever seen him, he's just always been really cool. <laughs> the Phantom, yeah, excellent costume and uh, photographs extremely well. Maybe if I can get back down to Phantom fighting weight, I'll have to put that thing back on again. Mm -hmm. uh, would, you, would you ever consider doing the, uh, the Tyler Phantom? Oh, yeah, that's one I've totally toyed with, mm -hmm. the idea. Yeah, it, actually, in all truthfulness, I would probably like to do... The Tom Tyler, I'd say, hey, I'm doing the Tom Tyler one. But I think I might want to just do more straight comic book one. Maybe slightly inspired by the Tom Tyler. Mm -hmm. But there's some things about the Tom Tyler that, um, oh, no, I would want to change that. Mm -hmm. I might want to change that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I would want to go with those that hot, hot material he would have been wearing back in the day. Because pretty much he was wearing like a full-blown sweat, you know, sweatsuit, you know. Yeah, yeah no, good point. Fair you point. know, so, so it's hard. But never say never, you know. Mm -hmm. Again. Yeah, exactly. Never say never again. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I love the Phantom. Mm -hmm. um, so, aside from the Phantom, let's let's talk a little Star Trek. Let's talk Captain Kirk. The most improbable outfit I think I had done as far as my initial fandoms because I, I'm not a Trekkie. I'm not a trekker. Okay. Though I have played, though I have, though I have played the role. <laughs> uh, I am. I am a very casual Star Trek fan. I love the original series. I could not tell you the name of all the episodes. I couldn't tell you the name of all the guest stars. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not even sure which level the engineering is supposed to be on. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah, turn in your Star Trek badge at that point. Right. But it kind of happened around the same period as. Um, the uh, well, the Blu-rays hadn't quite come out yet. As a matter of fact, that's right. Yeah, they hadn't quite come out because I uh, what ha what had happened was is that uh, Vicky, um, it was like Halloween. We stopped by uh, Wally's place as we do, mm -hmm. and it was like Halloween. It was like a weeknight, so it wasn't like kind of hard to think of. Oh, you know what you can do for Halloween, mm -hmm. and we weren't dressed up for anything. I think we were in the area. Well, I said, oh well, we're going to go over to so and so's place, and a couple of his friends showed up in costume. Mm -hmm. And he thought, well, Wally's got that closet full of different costumes and get-ups and so forth. Maybe we can dress up as something. Mm -hmm. And I kind of put together, like, retro 70s guy with, like, a fro wig and big lapels and platform shoes and, you know, like, right. disco Dan kind of thing. Gotcha. And Wally had one of the red women's Trek uniforms in there. And it fit her. Mm -hmm. And so she just figured, oh, I should just show up at that. And she had so much fun in that outfit. She always loved the, the cut and style of it, mm -hmm. that she thought maybe she'd make one of those costumes for herself because the patterns were available online. Mm -hmm. And maybe she could just tool around at Comic-Con just kind of in that kind of dress. And the idea kind of grew. You know, we, we were doing our uh, Doctor Who nights here. I started talking about, I had dressed as, I had worn Wally's Captain Kirk outfit once mm -hmm. uh, for a Halloween quite a few years ago. And he had a hairpiece. That's right. That uh, was given to him by the late Leonard Stone, who was like in Willy Wonka. And he was like one of those guest villains, guest stars on so many shows back in the uh, 60s. Mm -hmm. Like Lost in Space, Wild Wild West, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, anyway, Leonard didn't need a toupee lace wig, but someone had given it to him. So he's like, I don't need this. So he gave it to Wally eventually. Mm-hmm. And Wally's like, who's got a full head of curly hair? He certainly didn't need this kind of hair piece. But we looked at it and we go, it's kind of like Kirk hair. Mm-hmm. It had a kind of a Kirk feel about it. And me, who is follically challenged, mm-hmm. popped that thing on and I was like, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> So I thought, you know what, I'll put the Trek outfit on sometime, put that wig on, and see, just have some silly fun with it on a Halloween. Mm-hmm. And I did. Had fun with it. So when Vicky talked about doing her outfit, I thought, well, maybe if I could borrow that hair piece from Wally at some point, maybe, maybe you could you know, do a Trek uniform. Mm-hmm. So Vicky put together my Trek uniform. We got, got boots done over at Durant's. And then we started. you and I started kind of talking about, well, a landing crew. Yeah, and that's what I was talking about. Was that see at Comic Con, I see people in Trek uniforms, mm-hmm. usually like you know whether it be uh, Deep Space Nine or, or Next Generation or some something that or Klingons. You throw yeah. a stone and hit a Klingon. Yeah, but usually it's like a person who's just wearing a uniform. They still got their Comic Con swag bag. They're go- they're digging through the comics. Mm-hmm. They're 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 getting their stuff. Or it might be a husband wife who's kind of doing the costume mm-hmm. kind of thing, but they're not really doing the the cosplay experience. They're just kind of like wearing their uniforms. It's kind of like attending Ren Fair or right, something. Right. No insult to Ren Fair people either. <laughs> no, but you. I know it's much we, more casual. Right. We came up with the idea that we hadn't seen anyone do the full classic crew, which is kind of surprised us right. considering how big they are in pop culture. Exactly. Right. Hey, if a group of these guys got together, like, and you know, look at that color. We always talk about the color, the, mm-hmm. you know, the gold, the blue and the red, you know, that's just, it's just, you know, like I said, the Technicolor sixties types mm-hmm. palette. I thought it'd be great to see a crew. So when we're kind of thinking about, well, Vicky, you know, and have her dress and that, um, and then I think, uh, a couple of our friends, and she said, well, you know, I can make red shirts if anybody wants to be a red shirt. Mm-hmm. So she was already working on, trying to work on my Kirk outfit. And then started talking about, well, you know, you figured you probably wouldn't make a Spock, but you'd be, you know, work out to be a McCoy. Mm-hmm. And the Star Trek experience was going to be there That's in right. San Diego yeah. with their first... Uh, the tour, actually. The tour, the tour. They were doing their, their tour and they had the bridge, mm-hmm. the old style bridge out there. So we thought, wow, if we could do a photo op in costume, you know. But we didn't have a Spock lined up at the time. Yeah, that's right. You know, so it was just, you know, we were just kind of putting the feelers out there. Just this would be something kind of casual. Mm -hmm. And uh, it ended up kind of growing into this thing that, well, we had at least two red shirts. We had a McCoy. We had uh, Vicky in her red dress. And then uh, eventually uh, when you were finding someone who was interested in doing Pertwee. Yep. Mm -hmm. You looked at him and said, this guy might be a good Spock. Yep. Yep. And Vicky always eager to try out makeup Mm -hmm. and stuff, you know. Totally worked with him. We got a wig for him to kind of get that haircut, and you know, she made the uniform. You know, she did all our tunics. That's right. Yeah, she did all our tunics. Yeah. You know, and then I think we kind of made did some makeshift things with some of our slacks and so forth. And like I said, I think did you get your boots from Duran at the same time I got mine? No, um, the boots I had the first year were just uh, cheap um, black costume boots. Um, That's right. That were way too big on me, but that now reside in my Morbius costume. Gotcha. Uh, repurposed as repurposed. you should. Uh, the next year is when I finally upgraded to the Duran boots. Yeah, I got those. I got those Duran boots, and I went with the Cuban heel. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I know <laughs> it looks great, but man, I'm sorry, guys are wimps when it comes to higher heels because we're not used to it. It's so true. They look fabulous. <laughs> they look fabulous. I, I cringe when I think about wearing those boots. And I wear those boots for Kirk. I wear them for the Phantom, and I wear them for Zorro. Yeah, yeah, good move there, Scott. You tripled the threat. <laughs> hey. 
great black boots. You can't go wrong, you know? <laughs> Just got to limit how long you want. Oh, and... No, I don't use it for Captain Action. I was going to use it for Captain Action, but Captain Action's boots come to a point. So I ended up going with some more standard uh, costume. Standard costume. Right. Uh, standard, like, Batman black-pointed style boots, mm -hmm. you know, for, for Captain Action. And they're probably one... But those are probably one of the more uncomfortable boots I own. <laughs> well... Uh, I, I do remember that we liked out that Art Asylum had come out with those great replicas for the um, communicators and the phasers. That was the year they all were coming out in toys. But we were delayed a year in getting the tricorders. That's right. The first year we didn't have the tricorder. Mm -hmm. And then the following year we scooped up every tricorder we could find. Mm -hmm. And uh, but our crew grew. The crew yeah. instantly grew. Mm -hmm. But that first year... Well, was, well, we did do the, we did do the Star Trek experience with the, what we had the... Uh, we had a couple cool backgrounds. We didn't have the right transporter room, though. It, no. was, it was like next gen. It was next gen transporter. Room. Uh, but we ended up having, uh, but the but being on the bridge and everybody at a station. That was pretty awesome. You know, yeah, we had two red shirts flying the thing, but that wasn't unheard of. Right. And right. you were doing the McCoy like just coming through the doorway, like what the hell is going on, Jim? <laughs> I just thought about. I could see where the framing was. Yeah. And I thought, well, it's gonna look lame if I'm already at the captain's chair. He doesn't have a station, but. I'm just walking on going, what's up with the episode this week? But man, uh, Ben is Spock with the perfect pose by the science station. and Vicky, Vicky uh, in the Uhura chair. Uhura chair, yeah. It, it you know, she great. wasn't trying to be Uhura, mm -hmm. but she was channeling some Uhura communication totally. type thing right there. Totally. You know? And uh, we had a great outtake where I think Simon pretended to be a dead red shirt. That was really Yes, funny. and the other red shirt was laughing because yes, it wasn't him. Because it wasn't him. <laughs> he was pointing at me, yep, not me. Uh, and that great shot at the uh, the Guardian at the edge of City Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, the Guardian. That was a great set that they mm -hmm. built for that. Fantastic. And, uh, yeah, we did quite a few shots there, and uh, but we couldn't use our own camera. Yeah, it kind of sucked. Yeah, because mm -hmm. they, they, they had the... Which I think at Long Beach you could have. Yeah, you could. When it was in Long Beach there a few months earlier, I went not in costume because it wasn't ready yet, and I went with uh, Kevin and Rick, mm -hmm. and we had a great time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And if you ask me, the lighting on the bridge was a little better there too. I wish they had replicated that better in San on the Diego. tour. Yeah. Well, it was a tour, so it wasn't yeah, was more of a set piece. But I can do. The, yeah, I think the I think the funnest thing that I kind of remember. I mean, that was a fun day. That was like on Sunday. Yeah, it was. And Sunday was also uh, was. Yeah, Sunday we were walking around. Mm -hmm. Thursday we were walking around on Comic Con floor. Uh, take two steps, stand for pictures. Mm -hmm. Take three steps, stand for pictures. Mm -hmm. And usually, you know, I'll stand there and make sure that everybody who had their camera out or their cell phone or whatever uh, gets everybody's taken care of. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just going to walk away from them mm -hmm. until I did. Yeah, <laughs> you're all standing there. Well, we got a crew like five or six of us there, all pointing phasers, doing our, our business. And I see this fellow walking up, and he starts walking behind us. Mm -hmm. And he goes, nice costumes. And I recognized him. And I walk away from the rest of you to round him up. It's yeah. Walter Koenig. That's right. And, I, and I, we had no <laughs> idea what you left for because we didn't clock and we were too busy. In I totally turned around to see if he could come by and take a picture with us. But the rest mm -hmm. of you were like, where did Kurt just go? Yeah. And I turn around and go, I found Chekhov. <laughs> you know? Yep. It was a great one. And then my favorite part is that's on video, and you can see uh, Ben, our Spock, who was so good at being stoic and Vulcan. Oh, was totally the in character broke. the whole time. The only, oh, for a half second. Yeah. He started to get the smile, and he pulled it right back in. I remember you actually put your hand to your head, like, <laughs> I can't believe this. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that, that, was, that was lots of fun. Random checkoff. Yeah. 
But like I said, yeah, Kirk is one of those uh, just I'm so much looser with. Sometimes I'm Kirk, sometimes I'm Scott. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it's 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 that one's just lots of fun because I don't I don't quite feel the uh, I don't know. It, it's it's just a different mm-hmm. it's it's just a different experience for me. Uh, we've had a lot of fun doing as that group doing stuff either with captain's chairs or tribbles or when we've expanded the group with more. Uh, well, the uh, following year we had just so many people. Yeah. I mean, we had we had. More girls in there. Mm-hmm. More red dresses. More red dresses. More red shirts. Yeah. And it seemed like if you walked the Comic-Con floor, you started collecting red shirts. Pretty much. And we had a checkoff. Yep. Our friend Stephen. Yep. A- Stephen was a checkoff. who also been my Robin once. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually was was a Robin for me in, uh, for Palm Springs things for Adam West. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he's done the uh, Seventh Doctor. That's I right. He's, he's done Sylvester McCoy for me. Yeah. Missed that guy because he doesn't live out here anymore. I know. It's a real bummer. I have to check up and see what he's doing. Yeah. But it was funny because he actually had to go head to a panel or something, and he says, "Captain, may I be dismissed now?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going absolutely. That was good. <laughs> but yeah, he, that was good. But but the most cool thing is that you know, at least with Comic Cons, because there's so many different booths that do cater to Star Trek. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, motion yeah. picture was just the new the relaunch motion picture was just coming out the year right. before, mm-hmm. and then I think it was in full. I think it was like in full release or something like that by the following year. Yeah, because they had the the bridge mock-up set with the green Orion slave girls. I don't think we really bothered with that, but there was the main booth where you ran into uh, those two great lookalikes, as Picard and Cisco. That was the pre yeah that 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 year yeah that was right and that was the funny thing because you had Picard, Cisco, and uh, Kirk, mm-hmm. and the news people started coming up and wanting you know here we got all the captains you yep. know so did you guys organize this and I looked at it no yep. <laughs> I was just walking around I ran into these two I don't know who. Yeah, those are the moments. Those are the moments. Yeah, man, the Picard. Well, those two guys are off the hook. Good. Yeah, they are amazing. Yeah. Yeah, you know those guys are lookalikes. Mm -hmm. I'm a hack. (laughs) (laughs) But it's again, it's some of the parts. Yeah, well, yeah, but I felt like because I'm wearing a toupee lace Mm -hmm. wig, I felt that much more like Shatner. Right. Right. You're channeling the Shat. You know. Um, Uh, But yeah, that was a fun group. Like I said, the following year, it just grew. The Stargate shot was pretty awesome. Yeah, like, what's the Trek crew coming out of Stargate? Stargate. But that (laughs) drew a real crowd, I remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, anytime that I think, like I said, you get a classic crew like that, especially with Spock and McCoy, because you were sporting the McCoy hair by that point, where you got the the helmet hair wig kind of thing going on. And like I said, and. And you got a couple of girls, and well, Terry was now in the crew mm-hmm. uh, in the blue dress yep. with Vicky in the red dress. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you get a crew like that with all that color. Once you actually get into a position where people can see them, yeah, like if it's up on a stage or a platform, like the Stargate type thing, yeah, it is kind of like, oh, hey, 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 hey. and uh, yeah, like I said, that was, that's a fun crew. And then the f- following year after, that, I did it one more time. And uh, and I haven't done it since. Yeah, we've normally handed it off to guys like Ben, the our other English Ben. Right. We yeah. And uh, and then CJ has since done Spock. I've never been Kirk while CJ's been Spock yet. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know maybe someday one day. But once again, with any kind of costume, you you try to plan out X amount of time. Mm-hmm. You know to make you know if you're doing Comic Con, oh I got X amount of days. What costumes? And I don't like doing multiple costumes on the same day. Mm-hmm. I have done it. Mm-hmm. And come to realize, I really don't enjoy that. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's uh, it's a little too taxing, and I feel like I'm not putting the costume out there really, really long enough. Yeah, you know, to give it the proper 
uh, run for its money or what have you. Yeah. And I'll always do Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, well, what are you doing at Comic-Con? Well, uh, the, Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, and used to be Batman would have to be two days. Mm-hmm. I would always do two days of Batman. And I've also tried to work out that I try to keep Sunday open as the option to not do costume. Right. I, I've, I've come to, you know, feel like I like to do some time where it's just Scott, just on the floor, mm-hmm. you know, getting my geek on. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Making actual purchases. Yeah, yeah. yeah making actual purchases. Yeah, so I, I try to keep that option. Sometimes I'll go through Sunday night in costume at all, and then depending how Saturday went or how I feel Sunday morning, I might just pop another costume on or right. repeat a costume that I had earlier in the week. Right, right, right. You know, that's you know, that's just what I'll do. So yeah, I did that this year or this past year with yeah. Lone Ranger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that that had been on your burner for so long. Uh, Lone I mean, Ranger was the second costume I wanted to do after Batman, mm-hmm. and that one just eluded me because it's it, that outfit's very deceptively complex. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, you know, it's a cowboy suit, not that one. Uh-huh. And I remember getting my hat back in two thousand and five, no, two thousand and six, at the same place I got my Tom Baker hat. Right, mm-hmm. Baron Hats. Thank God I got it when I did then because it was cheaper than it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's because the, I think the price of beaver felt is, went up, which mm-hmm. is what his original was done. And I had gotten the hat, but I knew things like the gun belt, which is, is a completely customized gun belt, mm-hmm. uh, more expensive than some cowls out there. Jeez. <laughs> or can be. Mm-hmm. At least at that time it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the boots are not standard cowboy boots. They're like these kind of ranger boots. I don't know how else to describe them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, they kind of think of kind of like a uh, stovepipe, you know, kind of black cylinder that goes up and kind of goes almost straight around the leg, except it has this little notch in the front. Mm-hmm. And it's very similar to like kind of like a biker boot. Right, right. The biker boots are about two to three inches shorter. Mm-hmm. Going up the leg, right? Than than the Lone Ranger ones, and his toes are more pointed. They're not squared off like a biker boot, mm-hmm. or a little more rounded. And uh, so the boots was kind of like, and Duran doesn't make cowboy boots. That's right. They don't have the the proper molds to do that style boot. Mm-hmm. So I just always was like, well, if I got to get a custom cowboy boot made, that's going to be even more expensive than the gun belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was one of those kind of things. I always kept my eyes open, like, hey, if I ever see the boots. Mm-hmm. That might be the first step. Uh, that ended up not being the case. Like I said, it eluded me for years that I, I got the I got the hat back in two thousand and six, toyed around with uh, the mask and the neckerchief kind of thing. Then this past year, I just every once in a while on eBay. I really don't live on eBay, mm-hmm. but every once in a while I'll type in some keywords, see what comes up. Right. And I typed in Lone Ranger gun belt. Just look at the sticker shock lately, because I figured it had to have gone up since I was looking right. over the years. And I found something painfully cheap. Hmm. It looked even better than some of the more expensive gun belts I saw. Hmm. And it was coming out of Mexico. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, serious? And I'm like looking at the pictures going, this thing looks amazing. Mm-hmm. And I showed it to Vicky. And we're like looking. And she knew how much the gu- what we thought the gun belt would run me. Mm-hmm. And I just said, this is just, this is telling me it's time. Mm-hmm. The moons have now begun to align. Okay. I'll tell you how good the moons aligned on this one. I ordered the gun belt. Right. And I went uh, and said, well, i got to take care of these boots. Mm-hmm. The boots are going to be a problem. And I stopped at a place called American Vintage right before Who Night. Right. Stopped at American Vintage uh, clothing thrift store out over here in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. 
Walked and looked over the boot section because I knew they had cowboy boots. Yep. And I said, well, let me see what they got. And they had a pair of black boots that fit me, that went straight up the leg, not standard cowboy boot. Mm-hmm. That is about 90% spot on. Hmm. For like about 30 bucks. Perfect. I'm like, I've looked long enough. Mm-hmm. I'm getting you for sure. Mm-hmm. And that was like, I got boots. I'm getting a gun belt together. But now the pressure was on Vicky. Mm-hmm. In regards that she she's made the core elements of my costumes, uh, other than the Batman one, because there's so many odd elements. She's supposed to be making me a cape this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, almost all my other costumes, she's she's been the you know the key mm-hmm. maker behind that stuff, and she's always up for a challenge. But we studied that Lone Ranger suit for years because, mm-hmm. like I said, it's just hey, if I ever find the boots, it's tailored. It's it's such a tailored. Slim fitting, you know. There's a zipper up the side, kind of detail, so you could get in the shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's like this kind of a yoke, kind of tie in the front type thing that mm-hmm. you think you might find in a pattern somewhere. No, <laughs> you know. So Vicky found various different kinds of shirt patterns. Like, oh, here's a cowboy sleeve pattern that looks like that would be a good read. And there's this kind of collar here that might kind of work. Mm-hmm. So she really pieced together. That outfit, and we did luck out on the material, finding right. material because the original was kind of like a gabardine mm-hmm. kind of material, and we found kind of a stretch kind of gabardine that had a great blue read mm-hmm. on it. I mean, that shade of blue is really hard yeah. to try to nail. And when we also were fortunate that out at the Gene Autry Museum here, they have a piece together Lone Ranger costume. Some pieces originally worn by. Uh, Clayton Moore, Mm -hmm. you know, during the series. Some pieces, because he did appearances for Eons, might have been more appearance pieces. But, boy, the fact that I could get to take pictures of that thing in the museum, no one must or fussed with me. Mm -hmm. That I could take all these details of the mask, of the the gun belt, of, you know, the belt that he would would have worn. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those kind of, the gloves. Mm -hmm. And I had Gasper Gloves make me my my Lone Ranger gloves. Mm Mm-hmm. And that, uh, which by the way, she's made the gloves for the current film that's coming out. I'm not excited about the film, but I still support that. Hey, at least they got the right person to make the gloves. The gloves are probably right, <laughs> regretfully the rest of the outfit. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So that that outfit, uh, we lucked out on a lot of stuff, and Vicky worked so incredibly hard on that outfit. Mm-hmm. You know, it always comes down to the wire, mm-hmm. but she, she she nailed it. She did such a fabulous job. I mean, I she she said up to that date that was the most difficult piece she's ever made. No, I, I remember uh, how much stress she was under getting that done. And uh, but you're right. At, hey, end of the day, that is just a dynamite costume. Yeah, and we got the for and, and fortunately we stumbled across uh, Old Town San Diego, which looks, right. which almost looks like an old western town. Mm-hmm. Went there to go hook up with her friend CJ like on that Thursday, or whatever. And I've never been to Old Town San Diego. I look and I go, this looks like a western setting. Mm-hmm. So Friday was a good weather day. Mm-hmm. I got dressed up as Lone Ranger. We drove out there, and Vicky took pictures of me all around the grounds there. Uh, I had replica six shooters, yep, yep, mm-hmm. which were in the style of what he used. Uh, I had to paint the handles though myself to make them more of that kind of ivory white mm-hmm. handles. But they're a replica; they do not fire. Mm-hmm. The bullets are nickel plated. Mm-hmm. They actually uh, less expensive than silver, but they got a great, great sheen to them. Uh, there's no powder in them, mm-hmm. 
And, uh, yeah, so it's just a great read on those. Yeah, and I was yeah. kind of worried about walking on the premises of this area with something that looked like real guns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's mostly posing with them in my hands, right. <laughs> you know, as you do. And you could tell a security guy was coming up in a golf cart, mm-hmm. as they do. And I kind of have my guns away. Okay, see what happens. And the guy comes by and he goes, wow, that looks great. Can I take a picture? Nice. There we go. But yeah, it was a great, it was a nice, over, slightly overcast. It was nice and cool, nice even lighting. Mm-hmm. And got to take some great pictures out on that location. And that, that was so much fun. And then uh, did Lone Ranger on Saturday, and I did him on Sunday. That's right. Yeah, I, and it always went over so well. You could tell that uh, the fans clearly not only love the character, but you just don't see the Lone Ranger on the floor. So. No, well, that's the key thing, I think, with... Uh, I mean, I've told you before, but I'll say here, most of the characters I like to do are ones I've always wanted to see, mm-hmm. but never get to see. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, going back to Batman a little bit, I never got to see anybody dressed up as Adam West Batman. I've never seen anybody dressed as Adam West Batman until I got into the suit. Now I've seen all kinds of people dressed up as Adam, Adam West, West Batman. Batman. You know, I've been escorted about like nine of us to go see Adam one day. Here, here, you know, here's <laughs> here's nine of us at his autograph table. You know, nice. Uh, everybody in his line turned into Batman. <laughs> and and actually, I've never seen anybody do Kirk or landing crew from Star Trek. That's mm-hmm. what it's all. Yeah, I want to see landing crew at Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Not saying that nobody's ever ever done it. I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. I just never got to see it. Right. You know, never seen a Billy Zane Phantom, and I almost never see a Phantom. Yeah, that's true. true. You know, I've seen, I saw one Phantom my first year at Comic Con, and I don't think I've ran into another one really since myself. I've run into another comic book Phantom. Right. Well, that's what I mean. I'm I'm talking about even a comic book Phantom. Yeah, they're very, very far and few. Kelly did a great Phantom. I never, yeah, Mm -hmm. he did. He had a great suit. Perfect. I saw his suit in Gun Belt when I was researching my Phantom, and I didn't even know Kelly back then. Oh wow, yeah. That's how I even found out who Kelly was. Mm-hmm. In the small, you know, small world. Small world. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody goes, "Oh, Kelly made that." I go, "Who's Kelly?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was my reaction, mm-hmm. you know. But Lone Ranger, I never saw anybody do the Lone Ranger. And mm-hmm. Clayton Moore, he's right. Like I said, he's like I said, those classic characters, Batman. Phantom, Lone Ranger, Green Hornet. You know, these were guys I never got to see. Mm-hmm. You know, a landing crew, Captain Action. You know, yeah. I always like I always like going for this. And it's not because of their rarity. It's just I like doing characters that I wish I got to see. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that that's just what it comes down to. You know, I mean, I've seen, yeah, I've seen Superman. Lots of Superman out there. Uh, yeah, so just doing characters, like I said, I grew up with. I just loved, uh, like, Clayton Moore is just even a guy. I never got to meet him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everybody who ever, you know, has ever met him said, oh, yeah, I mean, he was fantastic, you mm-hmm. know. And I read his autobiography, and it's just, yeah, uh, he's, you know, grade-A quality guy. So, yeah, there's, there's uh, those kind of characters, that, like I said, those resonate with me. Those are the ones that uh, I would love to see. Cap- and the funny thing is Captain Action came up, I had planned on Captain Action back in 2006. Seems like all these things just eventually happened, but got delayed. Exactly. Well, like like the best plans. And I thought, you know, what if I do Captain Action? See, I'll show up on Thursday as Captain Action. And then, like, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I'll be the various characters that Captain Action could be. That's the nerd talking, you know? Yeah. That was like, you know, fanboy nerd, you know, thing. Yeah. But I said, I'll just do Captain Action, then I'll be these, you know, so that year I was like, going, yeah, I could be Batman, I could do the Lone Ranger, I could probably do, like, maybe the Green Hornet. Mm-hmm. In 2006, I managed to do the Green Hornet. Mm-hmm. You know, Van Williams, you know, TV show, you know, Green Hornet. Right. Uh, 
as it came out, well, I mean, it spawned, you know, from the same producers who made Batman. And as a kid, that was one of my earliest impressions of another hero was Green Hornet. I knew who Green Hornet was before I knew who Green Lantern was. Mm-hmm. You know, sad to say, though, Green Hornet was probably my most misidentified outfit I've ever worn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they go, oh, it's Green something, Green Arrow, Green Hornet. I get the spirit. I like So the weirdest one was like Dick Tracy because I got a fedora, I guess, and a coat of some sort but i got a mask and i got this gas gun and you're green and i'm green <laughs> maybe the guy was colorblind maybe yeah but no green hornet green hornets was one of those odd costumes i mean that one that got made last minute before mm-hmm. comic-con uh i had the mask for a little while mm-hmm. just because i dug the mask right and then uh i think i was at baron hats picking up one of my Lone Ranger hats, mm-hmm. or the, my Lone Ranger hat at right. that time, and I just always looked to see what they had hat wise. You know, and they had a green one, but the uh, but the band around it didn't quite look right to me mm-hmm. at the time. And so several months later, it was kind of like, well, Green Hornet, that coat. You know, how are you gonna get around that coat? And lo and behold, the Sunday before Comic Con, Vicky and I were at a Burlington Coat Factory, and we come across this green coat. <laughs> you know, it's not exact. But if you flip this and you put some black on the, it, it, it's closer than anything we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Well, let me go see if Baron still has that other hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they still had a green hat that fit me, and they could change the band on it mm-hmm. to a thicker band. So I literally put that costume together last minute, mm-hmm. you know, right before Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Once again, moon aligned, whatever. That I found a green coat that said, "Hey, maybe I could do this." Right. So we whipped that thing together. And that's been fundamentally my Green Hornet outfit since. I really haven't gone into like upgrading this, that, or the other. I had the hat eventually, the brim, I had it trim, uh, taken in, br- trimmed off uh, mm-hmm. about a year or so ago. Uh, and then since I've met Van Williams finally, that's the only re- other reason I finally put the costume back on was because it was like, I said, well, you ever put Green Hornet back on again? I said, if I ever get a chance to see Van Williams. Mm-hmm. And I did. And he finally. dug it. Yeah. Finally. You know. As a matter of fact, his wife introduced me to him. <laughs> She saw me in the hallway dressed as the Green Hornet. Goes, you know, my husband's in there. I go, that's kind of why I'm here. Yeah. She goes, well, you know, how about if I take you up to him? Like, we'll go in arm in arm, mm-hmm. and I'll introduce you to him. Like, 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 I just trade up for a younger version of him. Nice. It nice. was, it was, it was good. It was good fun. Very cute. Yeah. So that's how I got to meet Van Williams. You know, and he rocks. Um. You know? So uh, we need <laughs> we we need before I get to my wrap up questions, we need to talk Zorro. Oh wow. Yeah, Zorro. Guy Williams just rocks that character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the suit is amazing. I mean, you think about a black and white show, and the guy's wearing all black. Yeah, I know. I know, right? And you suddenly realize the brilliance of the designers where you go, oh, that's satin, but that's up against something that's matte. Mm-hmm. And Vicky and I are watching, because now we can't watch a costumed character without dissecting right. you know, what they did with the suit. And, and for his cape to have like these kind of openings kind of almost inverness openings where he can put his arms through them mm-hmm. you know it was just genius in studying it and looking at it i got the bug and vicky made it happen again mm-hmm. you know uh, i was able to find it i was going to go through baron hats to do a zorro hat mm-hmm. and they said i could only go through guy williams jr they had a certain contract with him mm-hmm. to get it done i checked with him and the price was not quite in my budget at the time. I'm not going to say it was outrageous because that's not the case. They're worth what they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't within my budget. Also, the time frame. 
Right, right, right. All this comes down to the time frame. How these things keep... So I literally went to, I think it was uh, like the Hollywood costume shop over in uh, Hollywood Boulevard mm-hmm. and found one of their standard kind of, uh, you know, Spanish dancer kind of hat. And uh, I just started doing some trimming details and so forth that I did from studying photos of how the, the band went around on it mm-hmm. and uh, ordered up a, um, what they call a stampede braid yep. to go on the thing. Uh, which is very much like the stampede braid that I use for that I have for my Lone Ranger. Mm-hmm. Vicky specializes in doing a lot of the more of the sewing stuff, mm-hmm. and I kind of deal with more of almost the more proppy type of items. You know, uh, I was able to find some biker gloves, and I worked up the silver trimming around the edges of those. Mm-hmm. They had nice gauntleted biker gloves with no logos on them and stuff that had a great read mm-hmm. uh, for the gloves. Otherwise, I would have had Dorothy make them. But once again, I was in a uh, kind of a time crunch. Right. Once I saw these gloves and I thought if I put this trim around the edge, they'll look like the Zorro gloves. Mm-hmm. Found the right kind of fencing saber. Yep, his yep. Is, his isn't a rapier one. It's it's a saber style, mm-hmm. which those aren't as easy to find. And so it had a very good read to the one he had on the show. It's not exact, uh, but nobody makes that kind of uh, fencing one anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, repurposed my uh, my boots, right, right, my Kirk boots, mm-hmm. and uh, and then Vicky did the rest of the miracle. She did the makeup. Because I'm way pale. Yeah. She laid in the mustache, which is a very exacting mustache. Mm-hmm. She airbrushed my makeup. She laid in the mustache. And when we put that whole thing together, it was it was the spookiest outfit I ever was in. In regards to me looking in the mirror and I didn't see me. Mm-hmm. You know, I've worn cowls. I could still see some Scott in there somewhere. Uh, this one, I didn't see me. It's actually my dad's favorite costume I've ever worn. He says that because he's, he's, he's it's the Zorro one. He says, wow, that Zorro. He says, someone show me a picture of you in it. And I, and I said, that's not Scott. That's the guy who played Zorro on TV. That's mm-hmm. the, you know, that's not Scott. Scott's going to dress up like that guy. But that's right, not right. Scott. It totally fooled my dad. Was and, he a Zorro fan? I don't, you know, he might have caught a little bit because it was in the 50s and mm-hmm. stuff a little bit. But I, I just think, you know, it's just it was one of those that he knew what the guy was supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and he saw that guy mm-hmm. and he didn't see Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the nicest compliment that I ever got was Guy Williams' daughter. Had, uh, a friend of mine sent her a picture of me uh, after Comic-Con of me in the suit. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, she told, told my friend, you know, if you didn't tell me this was a friend of yours dressed up mm-hmm. as Zorro, I would have sworn you sent me a picture of my father I had never seen before. Oh. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't get any better than that. No. So yeah, Zorro and Zorro is a fun, you know, you know, Batman's much more slightly square and yeah. very stoic, but you know, Zorro, he's you know, he's the cavalier. Hey, hey, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, he, he he can flirt. Yeah, you yeah, know, he smiles a lot. He smiles a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, but yeah, he gets to flirt, uh, and uh, I flirted with Mary Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Always a fun photo. Very fun photo. Uh, I like to ask everyone. Uh, and this could be the same thing or two different things. Uh, what would be your number one tip to beginners? And what is the most important thing you've learned in this hobby? Okay. They almost go hand in hand. The number one tip I always say and emphasize, keep it fun. Mm-hmm. First I say have fun. But the other part of it is keep it fun. Sometimes it's very hard to keep it fun. Mm-hmm. Because you start making goals. You start, you know, your imagination. Mm-hmm. Or you go, if I do this and I do that. Or if this happens, it'll be great. Mm-hmm. You know, you make certain expectations and that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And if those things happen, cool. If they don't happen, don't 
remember that you're still having fun. Right, right, right. You know that there's still that there's you, you, okay. That didn't happen. I, I have some. I have had some friends out in the cosplay community that were kind of like they can only remember the things that they didn't get to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, oh yeah, but if I only got to do that. I finally got to do that. Dude, you just did this and this and this and this and this and this and this. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but... live in that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's my biggest tip right there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's something I pulled away from it <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> um, you know, tips. I mean, I've done some things in the roundtable stuff with you and all. Uh, but in regards to research, sometimes the research is the funnest part about cosplay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. For me, it's like the treasure hunt. Mm-hmm. Whether you're looking for the item or you're trying to look for the information. Mm-hmm. And when you uncover some kind of information, that's almost as fun. Mm-hmm. You know, you go, whoa, didn't know about that. That's yeah. cool. Even if 50-odd people knew about it, hey, I didn't know about it. Right, right. So what do I take away from it? Share. Share in the fun. Share in the experience. And share your experience with others. Uh, whether it's something that you learned from making a prop piece or... Uh, a costume disaster that could be, could have been avoided. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dynamics of groups, mm-hmm. um, how to handle yourself around a celebrity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, there, there's so many things. But the thing is, just sharing the experiences, sharing the fun. Mm-hmm. Don't get proprietary. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one that should be experiencing all this attention and fun and everything like that. Yeah. You know, and yeah. for me, I try to still keep it about giving. Mm-hmm. I'm just wanting to give myself out there as either for the illusion to somebody or like for, for especially like for kids, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's for uh, some of the charities or fundraisers or certain uh, things like Ability First, you deal with like autistic adults. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you can put a smile on somebody's face, that's, that's the biggest thing for me. And uh, I've said it for a long time that uh, if there's a, if there's a uh, a purpose, if I can actually have a purpose in being in a costume, mm-hmm. other than parading, you know, hey, check me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that it, I don't think it brings out the best in people, and it certainly doesn't bring out the best in me. You know, so that that I would definitely say that. Uh, yeah, not be proprietary. Darn it. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how to do the pickup. Uh, I was just going to ask if you have anything on your plate right now coming up. Well, we're that time of year right now. So we're kind of in that in-between bits and in, in where you're kind of like, am I planning for the next convention? Am I going to do something different or something? I don't know. Um, but, I mean, I got to do Dragon Con for the first time this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was an experience. Uh, very different from Comic-Con. Uh, and I can't say... You know, some people kind of go like, well, Dragon Con or Comic Con. And I'll, I'll say, I'll never give up Comic Con mm-hmm. for Dragon Con or any other convention so far. I've found nothing else that really takes me there, you know. Right. Uh, but if you're going to say, oh, is there great costumes over at Dragon Con? Are they some of the best costumes you've ever seen at Dragon Con? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely costume central mm-hmm. over there. There's lots of costumes out there, and there's some. More if you're going to do the obscure, you know, third guard from the left, <laughs> you know, henchman guy. Right. Chances are someone's going to you know spot it over there. The BBC version of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. You know, Zaphod. Yeah, you're going to see him there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, it's that kind of convention. And it's very cool. It's a very different convention for me in that regard, though, because it felt more like going to a masquerade and going to a, uh, a party where everybody's playing the same role. We're all in costume. Okay. So who are you interacting with? People in costume? In costume. You're kind of interacting with each other a bit more. And that can be fun, but I like interacting with the casual... Uh, like, so if I was at Comic-Con, there's the people walking around with their bags, getting their swag, waiting in line. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the convention goers. Right. The, the non-cosplayer type people who are, you know, fans, and they get to get swept away in the fantasy. It's kind of like... Going, it's a this might be a bad description. Guys might hang me by the thumbs for it, but it's kind of like as if you went to Disneyland, right? And everybody was a character, and there was including a, you, and there was nobody else there, just going to Disneyland, pretty much. Or we say characters outweighed the casual goers. Got it. You know, eighty percent characters, twenty mm-hmm. percent. You know, Disney people. You know, just checking it out. Were there uh, a lot of kids in attendance there? Um, there were some kids. Uh, I think the key thing that they really do over at Dragon Con, which is kind of fun but very taxing, is on Saturday they do the uh, parade. Yeah. Which uh, they did it uphill. Oh, they never <laughs> And it's me that. September. It's Labor Day weekend, September in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I, boy, I sweated so bad. I mean, Alex and I, we're doing Batman and Robin walking alongside a Batmobile along with. Uh, some of our other friends, uh, Ruby, Renesco, and his, his girlfriend, fiance, uh, Jen, and uh, John Witt, also known as Mald Vader, out there on the forums. Um, John was doing his Adam West Batman on one side of the Batmobile right. and doing mine on the other. And Ruby was out there and surfs up Batman. Oh, yeah. Meaning he had the yellow baggy, flowery mm. baggies with the big yellow surfboard chasing after the Batmobile. That and was uh, Jen was doing Batgirl. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were, yeah, they were great. But Alex and I were just working the crowd. We were just we were we were hanging so close to the edge of the crowd. I don't know if people saw us next to the Batmobile at all because we were just on the fringe, right. shaking hands, high fiving, posing. You know, it, it was definitely a high concentrate of meet the kids, mm-hmm. meet the outside fans, and so forth, mm-hmm. and sweat your butt off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was my first one, mm-hmm. and uh, and I. I kind of get the feeling if I didn't have that interaction mm-hmm. at some point at the convention, other than the friends that I, you know, one made out there and the ones I got to see mm-hmm. out there, um, I probably wouldn't have bothered going back to Dragon Con, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, because, uh, yeah, I like seeing costumes, but, you know, I, I like the interaction way more. I like interacting with people. And it's fun to interact with the costumes to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I said, for me, it's like, yeah, let's take pictures of us doing this and this and this. You know, there was a picture of, like, all these, the kind of this Gotham gathering. Right. And then you get on these big steps. And mm-hmm. this pretty mammoth that you see, like, you know, 15 Jokers, 17 Robins, 25 Batman and Batgirls and Two Faces and so forth. And that's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Um, I found having conversations with most of the people, they're just, they're suffering like I can. They can't hear, they can't see, they're sweating. Yeah. You know, uh, you get into some conversation with some folks and some folks, they just, they just want to, you know, they're just concentrating on getting their picture taken. Mm-hmm. And my attitude when I see all these characters is, hey, let's go see some people to go interact with mm-hmm. rather than standing up here, you know, getting our picture taken with each other. But that's me, mm-hmm. you know, okay, we got our picture taken. That's cool. Now let's go interact. Right. And there is, I mean, there is some out there. It's just different. 
The other major difference to that convention is it feels like it just never closes and it probably doesn't. The convention itself might close the doors like at 7, 5, 7 o'clock on a given day. Mm -hmm. But the convention's all in the lobbies. It's connected between these three hotels. You've probably heard this story before. Right. You know, uh, I equate it with like what we say at the Gallifrey, the Doctor Who convention, what we call lobby con. Oh, yeah. Which is once the convention has closed its doors for the day, Mm -hmm. we just carry all the fandom and all the geekdom out to the lobby Mm -hmm. where the bar is as well. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is stretched out, like I said, between these three connected hotels. You have these walkways that go right through from hotel to hotel. You don't have to step outside. Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, there's a food court in between, too, that's open at all hours during this time. Mm -hmm. So it's like one big lobby con type thing. So if that's your thing, this is your con. Exactly. For me... uh, you know, I have to say, I went to go check out the, you know, I didn't participate in LobbyCon in costume a whole heck of a lot. Mm-hmm. But you start finding out that seemed like me like the whole, like I so said, when you're going through, you, 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 you're in these crowds of people all in costume and you're all crowded in the lobby. And some of the people that, uh, regretfully, some of the people who are not in costume mm-hmm. are drunk. Yeah. And, and that was, not all, but I mean, enough. Mm-hmm. No, the, the ante was definitely higher than, like I said, the kind of Comic-Con experience mm-hmm. that, that, like, I, you know, it becomes a little more Mardi Gras. And as it gets later, mm-hmm. uh, some of the costumes start becoming not so family-friendly. Sure. And not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but I loved, I loved hanging with my friends. Mm-hmm. And I did love seeing some of the costumes. I mean, like I said, I step into a elevator and there's, you know, Mr. Miracle and Metamorpho. <laughs> And they look awesome. Right. And I'm just like, okay, I don't think I've ever capped these two, <laughs> you know, at Comic-Con or or what have you. But, yeah, it, it was really, you know, that was very cool. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, would I like to go to Dragon Con again? Mostly to see my friends mm-hmm. that, I like I said, made out there that pretty much just do Dragon Con. Mm-hmm. And now that I kind of got an idea of Dragon Con, mm-hmm. now I kind of know what to expect with Dragon Con. I think it's a way of pacing myself of how to attend it. Right. It's just a little different. It's mm-hmm. not much different than when I first went to the Doctor Who convention Gallifrey. The first time I went, I expected it to be kind of like a different kind of convention. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that kind of convention. Mm-hmm. And now I found my niche. I found, okay, this is how I attend this convention. Mm-hmm. But the first year, it's a little, oh, I don't know if I like this. It's different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so Dragon Con... You know, if Vicky and I can afford to do... Because I'm not giving up Comic-Con. Yeah. I am not giving up Comic-Con. I don't think we're giving up Gallifrey. <laughs> well, it, it was funny. You told me... Because you nearly missed Comic-Con. And had you missed it, it sounds like you would have highly regretted it. Oh, yeah. I was regretting it before I even got to finally go to Comic-Con. I was mm-hmm. regretting it. And I got to Comic-Con and loved it. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad I did go. Yeah, I would have regretted it. I know for a fact. For me, mm-hmm. I would have regretted it. Comic-Con's not for everybody. Dragon Con's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. You just, you, you got to, but, you know, thankfully, you know, you got, you know, there's a choice. Mm-hmm. And that and that's that's the cool factor. You know, I mean, I'm actually doing more costume stuff this year as far as Batman than I've done in probably the past couple of years. You know, I've gotten to do a bit more charities. I've gotten to do a bit more uh, hospital visits. We just got finished with a group of us uh, going to uh, City of Hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did the picnic this yes. past uh June this past June, which I was not able to attend, mm-hmm. but you did the, uh, the picnic and, uh, you know, that's just a great group of people out Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when you feel like you're, you know, you're actually paying your debt to society or something while you're doing this cosplay thing that you really feel like you're, you know, you're at least doing some good with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually got the, for Halloween, a group of us were out to the, uh, the hospital mm-hmm. itself 
we had uh, Captain America, Superman, Spider-Man, Green Lantern, and myself. And I don't think I'm missing anybody else. Forgive me if I have. Uh, and we just did the rounds, met with the kids, and eventually we were meeting with the adults. They liked us so much and for, for the Halloween that. thing. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you know, like I said, just try to do your good. And, uh, yeah, so, once again, it's, it's been fun. Uh, I got to uh, show some support for the uh, Batman uh, the 66 Batman comic that's out now this year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we didn't have merch whatsoever. Now we've got a comic book that's of our, you know, of my Batman. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, the uh, the writer was doing a signing over in uh, the Sherman Oaks area at a place called uh, Earth 2. And uh, anyway, they were doing a signing there, and they asked if I could attend, you know, as mm -hmm. uh, Adam West Batman. And... Uh, I went there with Sarah's Batgirl, and uh, yeah, had a great time, you know, showing our support uh, for the comic, and uh, my buddy uh, Ruben Procopio uh, was there in attendance as well. His, uh, the comic he had illustrated um, was available online at the time digitally, mm -hmm. and uh, but not available yet in print. There's a, like a delay between right. that, but his just came out this week. All right. Literally came out this week. And um, as of this podcast, it's his birthday. Nice. So happy birthday, Ruben. Happy birthday, Ruben. Who's so responsible for some of those other characters that I talked about earlier, which, you know, Lone Ranger, Phantom, and Zorro. He was the guy in Captain Action. He was the guy kind of like, hey, are you going to do this one? You're going to do that one? You're going to do this one? So, uh -huh. so it seems like, you know, what's the next suggestion? Uh, oh, sorry, you know, sorry, Ruben, I'm not doing Tarzan. You know? <laughs> 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 but... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so it's 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 been uh, you know still wearing like I said still wearing the tights and still having fun with it and uh, future conventions ideas for them I don't rule anything out I just don't have anything in mind right now mm -hmm. you know you know you and I've talked about Red Dwarf oh yeah and I say it and then I think about I see you in a Cyberman outfit and I can't imagine myself in that Crichton outfit for any length of time you, poor sucker but you know you'd love it <laughs> you, when you're once you're in it. You'll you'll, uh, you'll overlook it. You'll overlook it. You'll love it. Yeah. Well, you know, someday, maybe one day. Okay. But uh, you Hitchhiker's know, Hitchhiker's Guide. Hitchhiker's Guide, and I have to say, you know, seeing the guys over at Dragon Con kind of doing it, you're kind of like, yeah, there you go. Well, mm -hmm. you know, it's not, you know, somebody's giving it some love. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, you never know. There might be the three amigos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three amigos. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, there's uh, the possibility at Big Wow of doing a full 66 Batman group. Yep, Kelly was talking about that, mm -hmm. and uh, as a matter of fact, I think that kind of spawned from hanging with him at uh, at Comic Con this year. Mm -hmm. He was standing next to me, you know, doing my Batman thing, and he was a spirit and so forth. And he goes, "Man, I so regret getting rid of my Frank Gorshin Riddler outfit." Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I think he got the bug again. Hopefully he continues with that because I would love to do the 66 as a group at Big Wow. This will be my first Big Wow. Yeah. yeah so, I'm so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that because uh, I've heard nothing but good stuff from you guys. And it's and it's got that vibe of, like I said, the interaction yeah. aspect. Yeah. Uh, I love to interact. That's, that's the biggest fun for it. I'm not the, hi, I'm in costume. Check me out. Oh, you have your costume? No, check out my costume. Mm -hmm. No, I just I just love providing the illusion. Right. I just like to go out there and be a character. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I don't know what it is, but uh, I'm looking forward to 
you know, still having fun with this. I'm well, not done yet. Well, we, we, we keep talking about various uh, other superheroes and, and certainly the Red Dwarf crew. And mm-hmm. now we're talking a little Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So you never know what could be in the future. Um, where can people find you online, Scott? ScottSebring.com. <laughs> I mean, that's the easiest one. And you can find any of the links that I'm out there. I'm at uh, batfriend.com if you want to see some cool multimedia stuff of the old Batman TV series of photos and a virtual uh, Viewmaster on there. But that site's pretty effectively, you know, hasn't been updated in eons. And I do most of my stuff either at the forum or uh, my own blog, skyscreamer.com. Awesome. And my album's available on Amazon. There, I'll do a plug there. No, oh, absolutely, yeah. Sink for- or Swim, available on CD. For An any- MP3 download. For anyone who <laughs> likes the wonderful theme of this podcast and wants to hear more, go check out the album. It's good stuff. Uh, all right, well, Scott Sebring, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for being on. Thank you, Bob. It's been a long time coming. <laughs> <laughs> for those who don't know, this is, uh, this is a retake of a uh, podcast we did months ago, so I'm glad to do this properly. Um, so with that all said, uh, thank you very much, and we'll be back next time with more Shop Talk here on Costume Station Zero. Yeah.